0: I'm Tom Morello. Today we'll be discussing the hairband Mount Rushmore with my two esteemed guests, D.B. Weiss, the creator of Game of Thrones, and the Eddie Trunk, the everyman's metal hero from that metal show of course basically for this whole maximum firepower show is our nights at the rainbow bar and grill Hmm. where we would have very candid conversations about our favorite bands and musicians and really just suss it all out and have a nice time with some cocktails and um so this will be our own little heavy metal happy hour version of that right now one of the games we always play at the rainbow is called mount rushmore where you basically take any category in metal or rock and roll, whatever, and you come up with the top four, or in some cases, the bottom four. Today, we're going to be looking fairly exclusively at the world of hair metal. We'll put that in quotes for Eddie's sake because he doesn't like the term hair band. And we're now going to talk about the best singers, front men, the top four. Who's your Mount Rushmore? Dan Weiss, who's your Mount Rushmore from this period?
1: David Lee Roth was what every one of these guys, by their own admission, it was it was what they were going for. And I think taking that Jim Dandy, Black Oak, Arkansas thing and putting it in the person of a guy who was in really good shape and was handsome and didn't look, you know, no offense to Jim Dandy, but he didn't quite look like David Lee Roth. And he was just this. (laughs) He was the greatest (laughs) man in America. He 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 almost would have for a time he was was untouchable and he almost didn't even feel like a person. To me, <laughs> and I think An Axel is a, it, at the other end of the spectrum. Is, is the same, the same way. And I think they both did this weird thing where they they extended their reach both to people who didn't care about this kind of music, and somehow they were also every one of those. It didn't matter how dark you went. Every one of those guys from those non hair metal or eighties scene bands, like they still took something from them however indirectly but getting a little bit off that path i think tom kiefer i'll let eddie talk about that because he's gonna know a lot more about it than i do but i think it's easy to forget that the bon jovi belongs in this but because he just climbed to a different place with his career but uh, you, you can't overlook bon jovi yeah Soft.
2: Even though he would love to be overlooked in this in conversation. This sure. <laughs> well, as soon as, I mean, as, soon as you all, move out all, of this neighborhood.
1: This, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as you a, move no, out of the I neighborhood, you of don't want to tell about, people you came a, from the neighborhood.
2: Yeah, and I have a ton of thoughts about that. But singer and frontman, two very different things. Two
0: very different jobs, but they're well, yeah. often done by the same person.
2: True, but some are better, way better than one or the other.
0: Yep. So and when you talk we, about David Lee Robbs,
2: way better frontman than singer. Although his it, vocals uh, on the record, uh, uh, well, his fight, vocals fight, on the I'll record. Fight you on that one. Oh, come on, he was, live. He'd sing every three words, man. Which was
0: part but, of his charisma. Is every three words. Sometimes he wouldn't sing. He'd sing a like third song. He was doing other. Forgot he was doing the other fucking stuff.
2: words.
1: He was, he was doing, doing other stuff.
2: Way more important stuff than singing. <laughs> Madonna <the songs>. doesn't. <laughs> Madonna doesn't
1: sing the words either. She just has somebody <laughs> <laughs> playing the words while she does other stuff. You know. <laughs> That's a whole rabbit hole. Yeah, you don't want Don't send don't send down that. Yeah. Don't don't faking We
0: could do a whole nother show on that. All right. Who's on your damn list, man? Come on. Okay.
2: So, so hard. As I said at the top, the Van Halen factor in this is just an outlier because, again, if you're including Mm -hmm. Van Halen as we are, every category has to include somebody from Van uh, Halen.
0: That's a granted, so you can choose to include or not include. You can put in a dark horse in that spot. Yes. Okay,
2: so purely speaking about this particular era, as Dan referenced a second ago, John Bon Jovi, to me, is again much to his chagrin, hmm. the founding father of the scene we are talking about. If you look at the video for Runaway, sure, you want to call this hair metal. John Bon Jovi's father was a hairdresser who did his hair, so it's just like <laughs> the, in the runaway video, there he is in the lavender leather pants, I mean he is the king of this world yeah and the look and everything here's the thing too in his day being a lifelong jersey guy and seeing bon jovi come up before they broke and when they broke up through maybe the album new jersey the fourth album one of the best front men i have ever seen now when you see what he does now It is radically different. He stands there, let the hair go gray, strums his acoustic guitar and sings at the stand. No, 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 no. First four records, he's in the rafters. He's swinging from the stage. And in all honesty, I've been critical of him for the way he performs now because the easy out is, oh, I'm older. Well, John Bon Jovi's hero is Bruce Springsteen. Bruce has 20 years on John or 15 years and Bruce is doing four hours and doing backflips and crowd surfing. Yeah. And John is, John is still in, in good shape and there's no reason why he can't fire it up again, but he look, can't argue with the success.
0: L- the live thing. I got to say, I saw Bon Jovi. Uh, I'd never heard of the band before. They opened up for the Scorpions at Alpine Valley in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, a, I brought a date to the show to see the Scorpions. <laughs> we had bad seats. Mm-hmm. Bon Jovi came up, came on and, kicked my ass like I was like who is this awesome live band because at the time he was taking some tricks from the Springsteen book and bringing it into the world of metal and it was that sort of community thing and the connection thing and he would tell these stories which were really kind of great and then they would play these songs that at the time were like edgier and like kind of more kick-ass and I remember thinking it didn't Pushed me all the way to actually going and buying a Bon Jovi record. I did that later, but it really made an impression. I thought it was a great fucking live band. Whatever that tour was, they opened for Scorpions. Go on it.
2: Bon, bon Jovi is the only act that's been su- been able to successfully. It- it's really interesting to me. Bon Jovi essentially in my eyes kind of created this scene we're talking about to some degree. And the only act that's been able to completely shed the skin of it and reinvent and not be marginalized for it Mm -hmm. as a completely different band. It's, it's endlessly fascinating Mm -hmm. to me. And I've talked to John about it. John has said to me, he's like, I knew I'm going to make my mark, but I'm not going to be 55 and paint my fingernails black. I'm just not Mm going to do it. So that was his thing. But, but I still feel there's more of a happy medium than what he does now versus then but you can't t- you can he was the prototype so i'm going i'm including him you can't not include axel no nope. i mean you got to have axel there i'm also going to include sebastian bach
1: that okay. was you know that was the one who i okay. as i was thinking of my list it was the one okay. that i that i forgot but i think he belongs
2: sebastian the look the voice, the vocal performance. I saw Skid Row before he was their singer playing the clubs in New Jersey and when he arrived. And it was a 180. Not the so- By the way, the band still doing the songs that are on the first record with a different singer because they were already written. And fine, good, great local rock band. Plug in that guy. The six foot six whirlwind of insanity. There was a a level of danger the way he sang, the way he fronted the band. It was a whirlwind. So Sebastian's got to be there. I want to give honorable mentions to Brett Michaels. Sure. Who always brings the party and is that perfect ringleader. You could talk about Joe Elliott, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to, this is a write-in because he wasn't even on my notes but now that I'm thinking about it, when we talk about these incredibly powerful frontmen, I'm going to give you D. Snyder as well.
0: You took my dark horse. That was my guy. <laughs> I, that was my guy. You're not wrong. You're not wrong, Eddie. You're not wrong.
2: Still a great singer, and yep. you talk about a guy who commanded the stage. You're not wrong. And from, I mean, just, if you saw Twisted back in the day, he was an animal up there, and just, I want to rock, baby, so there's D.
0: Stay hungry. That's fantastic. I've got my David Lee Roth. We've already discussed his. For a while, there was, in every interview, in every stage show, and on every record, he was the greatest man in America for a period of time, in my view. Axel Rose, the early Axel Rose, he had the one thing that none of those other hair metal bands had which he had 33 percent Johnny Rotten in him you know what I mean like it wasn't just like and I'm up here and I'm doing the thing and I saw Guns N Roses when they played Raji's it's a it's a club that's smaller than the room that I'm in now and Madame Wong's West when I first moved to LA they were like the local band that was really hot so I went to go see them and I was just like that band kicks my, like he's swearing like the thing that didn't happen in rock and roll was swearing certainly rock and roll that aspired to be on the radio was cussing and he was cussing and he super great especially in that period d snyder you stole mine you said all the right things and i'm going to go the one that no one's mentioned so far and he has had a career that was in this era and on both a book end of this era but one of my favorite singers and songwriters that touched in this era is david coverdale and I love the White Snake Records. Yeah. That while they kind of put on some of the makeup and teased the hair, they held down during this period the heavier end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm.
2: Coverdale transcends all the eras when you think about it because people forget the guy was in Deep Purple and yeah. in 1973. Oh, I didn't forget that. Those records, so,
0: those yeah. records are awesome.
2: Right. So I mean, it's you know David is kind of like the king of the blues rock thing, but he certainly owned a position there. In that 86 period with the Sykes record, which is, or the 87 record, still of the Night and all that, which, you know, one of the great regrets that me and every rock fan has is that the band that made the 87 record never did a live show ever for that record. Just sucks so bad.
1: I think, so you guys were talking earlier about the distinction between singer and frontman. And I think that one of the things that's always kind of occurred to me, thinking about this genre and this period in the music, one of the things that I feel like metal as as you know taken as a whole kind of maybe lost sight of a little bit as it got heavier and heavier is the importance of a front man or a woman to be out there anchoring what people are seeing when you're playing live. And there's so it goes right back to Eddie to what you were saying at the very beginning about the sense that this this music that we love and <laughs> that we talk about and is so central to our lives. And then you get outside that bubble and you start talking to people about it and they're like. Who the fuck is Rudy Sarzo? You know, (laughs) and I I wonder, I wonder a lot, because when I was younger, rap and metal had a lot in common when, you know, years ago in terms of their position vis-a-vis the mainstream. One of them went on to become the global mainstream. And one of them is what we're talking about now. And I kind of wonder how, how and why did that happen? I don't think there's a simple answer to it.
0: I'm Tom Morello. This is Maximum Firepower. We have Dan Weiss, one of the co-creators of Game of Thrones, Eddie Trunk, the metal guy that you if you enjoy metal you know him if you don't know metal you don't know him but he knows a lot of stuff about metal we sit at the rainbow often us and our friends and we talk about topics like the one we're talking about today the hair metal band mount rushmore we take a category we talk about the top four things in that category it's my turn now to talk about the best songwriters in the world of hair metal i'm gonna go my number one guy in the hair metal world, and yes, all due respect to Slash and Axel and Dave and Eddie, of course, I have Blackie Lawless as my guy. Mm. Like I have Blackie Lawless. And the problem with that band, and, and Blackie Lawless never came to me for counsel, he's the singer of a band called Wasp, and people claim that the band Wasp stood for We Are Sexual Perverts, and the, they put their money in... I'm going to have a buzzsaw cod piece. I'm going to have naked nuns on stage and throw raw meat at them. And that made some people during that particular era, which was the 83, 84, might have yeah. got an audience. But he was a great songwriter in some ways, I believe, stuck in a band that was too concerned with image. He's a great songwriter. And there's songs in there that I would have been proud to have written, except that they were kind of like dolled up in like bloody nuns. I also have Tom Kiefer, the front man of Cinderella, who's a- another great songwriter. Rick Rubin approached the Foo Fighters management and said, you need to have Tom Kiefer help write on the next Foo Fighters record. This might be 10 years ago or something like this. Whoa. Foo Fighters management was like, the guy, the fucking dude from Cinderella, you're out of your mind. Cinderella, he's like, listen, to, this is Rick. Listen to the songs. Listen to the songs. Forget the bejeweled robes and the other stuff that went along with it. He did not take up that suggestion. And Dave Grohl, I've never told this to Dave Grohl. Dave, if you're listening, maybe you want to now write with the singer from Cinderella. He goes. And Dave's
2: up, an open-minded guy. He would. He would
1: maybe even. You know, he's super that. metal
0: too. Dave is also yeah. super. Yeah. 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 Robot. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Robot, yeah.
0: I've got Dave and Eddie on my list, and then I'm gonna, as a collective, and I'm not certain of the songwriting duties during particular eras, but I'm gonna put the Scorpions on my list as the, as the fourth yeah, one, who have I consistently, with kind of English as a second language, wrote some really great metal songs. I ran into Klaus Meine and Rudolf Schenker at a bar many years ago, during sort of the height of Rage Against the Machine, and I was, I'm was i a huge fan of the band. So I go up to them, like, hey, Bros, I love the Scorpions and whatnot. Klaus mighty's like, Oh, nice to meet you. I'm like, I'm a guitar playing Rage Against the Machine. He's like, Oh, ho- hold on. Come on. Come, come to see Rudy. And so he brings me over to Rudolf Schenker. He's like, This is Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. I'm like, rudolph Schenker. It is a real pleasure to meet you. I've been a fan since in trance. Like, I love the Scorpions. And you, I, I was like, Don't tell any of the other dudes in my band. But Your music has been hugely influential on me and on Rage Against the Machine. And he says, Rudolph Singer says, I hear my influence in your music. (laughs) And I'm like, because it's there. Because it's quite obvious to anyone who has ears to hear it.
1: There's a podcast by a guy named Patrick Raden Keefe about the question of whether or not the CIA was involved in the production of Winds of Change. Winds of Change. which was a, beans. which was a,
0: one of the, a song which was credited, at least oh. culturally, with helping to. tear down on that wall. wall, yeah. Yeah, the Berlin Wall. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The podcast, while vastly entertaining, was also inconclusive on the issue of what or not. All right, well,
0: well, one thing that's not going to be inconclusive is this podcast when it comes to the best songwriters <laughs> and hair metal. Dan Weiss, tell me what you well, think.
1: Well, I mean, I think we, someone we've touched on before. John Bon Jovi, just in terms of the quantity of quality. With Sambora. Output. You got to put yes, Sambora both. in there, yes, too. Yes, and well, course, uh, I should just it. say Bon Jovi, yeah. No, but let I mean, me ask cool
0: you this. Out, yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you take any points off the board for, like, the Desmond Child? Like, yes, it's Bon Jovi, but it's also, like, if we're talking about songwriters, it's also outside songwriters. It's fishing right. for hits. It's hit fishing.
2: Not, yeah. not really, though. I- I'll tell you this. Not really, because first of all, there's been plenty of songs. Some have been huge hits that have been written by John and Richie only or just John. So th- okay, so you-, you can't discount that. Okay. And, and, and Desmond didn't contribute to every record or every big hit. Yeah. And I've talked to Desmond, as a matter of fact, very recently about writing with Bon Jovi and he told me the story of how they wrote living on a prayer. And you know, he, that was the first song they wrote together and John and Richie were in John's parents' basement Desmond showed up, knocked on mom and dad's door. Yeah, my kid's downstairs. And went down there. And you know, Desmond said the song was pretty much well formed, and that he went in and put a little Desmond on mm-hmm. top of it and yeah. added the whoas and all that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know what I know about that situation is, of course, not to diminish Desmond's role, but it's not like those guys were ghostwriters.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I, th- I think also it kind of this might cross over into riff territory, but but so much of of the songwriting for me just is a non. Pro listener is what sticks in your head. And I think that Mick Mars and Nikki Six wrote a lot of stuff that is simple and you every high school band in America could play it, you know, yeah. inside of 10 minutes of hearing it. But they did play it because it it just was this fish hook in your brain that, you know, got a hold of you and couldn't let go. And I think I I guess you also need to talk about Guns N' Roses and sure. you need to talk about. Those songs, especially on that on that first record, because there was a lot of sophistication in those songs, a lot of sophistication in what Slash was doing. But it was it was just so strong and so immediate and just really just that's another thing that just kind of branded my brain as soon as it and head and shoulder
0: and head and shoulders and double head and shoulders above the the scene in which they were born.
1: Yeah. A lot of easy yeah, yeah, when it yeah. comes and to that, songwriting I think for that's Guns. that's a really good that's a really good point. Well, that's someone who like a lot of the flash is slash out in front doing what he was doing and for good reason, but like the skeleton of the thing Yeah. Yeah. W- was what he didn't build the whole skeleton of the thing. Yeah. They did. It's hard to pick one person cuz you know, I think I well I can't speak to this, but I'm sure you can at, at length, but but it seems to me that like it's the dynamic between a group of people who are Jiving together and working together, that writes the the drummer is. It, it, you might not get publishing on it for the rhythms, but that's as much a part of the song as the riff. You know,
0: unless he's in a band that cares about equality, like Tool and U two and Rage Against mm-hmm. the Machine. But that's a different. That's a different. Problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, t- I'm talking traditionally, like the you guys. Mean, who, you, you mean you mean well, everybody gets
2: equal cut, no matter who yeah. wrote it.
1: Yeah, yeah, Some of the guys Rush, who laid Rush down some is the of the biggest example. And girls, some of the women who laid down the studio laid down some of the most iconic pieces of the most iconic songs ever written weren't credited as songwriters. I mean, if you wrote the baseline to These Boots Are Made for Walking, like do you deserve <laughs> do you deserve credit for that? I, that's kind of the part of the song, the only part of the song that I really remember other than the video. Written by
2: Lee Hazelwood, covered by Megadeth. And when Megadeth did a cover of it, I got to get real geeky, when Megadeth did a cover, and I know Megadeth's outside the purview of the area we're operating in, Mm -hmm. but when Megadeth did a cover of it and the guy, Lee Hazelwood, decided he didn't like Megadeth and who wrote the song and Mustaine had to put a beep over the song like every 30 seconds in a version of the record in order to include it on the album
0: so he didn't get sued.
2: Just ridiculous. That's
0: kind of what I signed up. In rock and roll four is that sort of litigious <laughs> <laughs> sort of litigious recording behavior. I got a poster on my I remember the time when I had to beep out every 30 seconds to kick ass. <laughs> All right, Eddie, who do you got in your songwriter section?
2: All right, so Nikki Six, clearly primary songwriter for Motley Crue. And yeah. the thing with Nikki is after the first two albums, you get the first two albums and Dr. Feelgood, and after that, by his own admission, it was like this because of substances and whatever was going on. I mean, if he was coherent. so. But you can't deny, I mean, Too Fast for Love, which is, as we speak, 40 years old, yep. is oh just a phenomenal yeah. record. Yeah. Also want to mention Snake and Rachel from Skid Row. Those songs, yes. those records are incredible and look you might think of um you know big guns or some of that stuff on the first record but listen to 18 in life Listen to I Remember You. Listen to Quicksand Jesus from the second record.
0: Just brilliant songs, and those guys wrote them. Just, just for people listening, like, the people who wrote the song, if you're a fan of Skid Row, you're familiar with Skid Row, the people who wrote the songs are not the singer. Just to point that out. And that's something that you right. know, Eddie, is, like, part of, like, gospel. Mm-hmm. But people who are listening to this do, don't know that. So that's yeah. a, it's, it's a pretty key that, like, the band members. I think that
1: every time I listen to the opening of Slave to the Grind, it, it oh. sounds to me like that that could be an anthrax song. Like it's just it's, oh, yeah. it's so it's so I mean, heavy. And I'm it's a fan to, of
0: Monkey Business as well. Like that's yeah, a, yeah. I mean there
1: there were that's a great one, and it's it's just they were so they, they had the look, and I don't think because of the look they had because Sebastian Bach was so pretty, they maybe didn't get credit for being as as hard as they were because for that time and for that genre they were they were on the the heavy end of the spectrum. Dan they got
2: progress they're the one band from this scene. First album comes out in eighty nine, huge success. One mm. of the biggest selling records in Atlantic history. 18 in mm-hmm. life, Youth Gone Wild. I remember you, Peace of Me. All that. Yeah. They're the one band that got progressively heavier. Most bands would come out and have that sort of commercial success and chase it. They got heavier. Slave to the Grind is Motorhead. Mm -hmm. And then again, the record nobody knows is the third record, Subhuman Race, because it came out in 95, produced by Bob Rock. Heavy Mm -hmm. as hell and my favorite of all their records. And Snake and Rachel, brilliant writers. And, uh, we mentioned D. Snyder before. D. Snyder, the sole songwriter of every Twisted Sister song ever recorded. The sole songwriter of everything from You Can't Stop Rock and Roll, Under the Blade, right through to the hits. Yeah, I The sole rock. songwriter on everything. Again, Axel with Izzy or Slash, obviously. Again, the Van Halen outlier of Eddie and Dave, just sure. a given. Uh, I'm, I'm with Dan on Bon Jovi and Sabor, Sambora and I'm going to give you one sleeper guy that doesn't get talked about. And I think wrote some great songs and tragically is no longer with us and was the sole songwriter of every song from this band. And that's Janie Lane, mm. uncle Tom's cabin, hooky stuff, down boys, all that stuff. They got heavier as they went Hole in the wall. Janie was the only writer on all of that. And I think he was very underrated In that regard. So I wanted to throw him out there as an honorable mention. And Kiefer, Kiefer 100. Kiefer, sole songwriter of every Cinderella song, multi talented guy. Yeah, that would have been amazing if he did something with Foo Fighters. I can't wait to call Tom when we're done with this and tell him <laughs> there sure, was that I'm conversation. Sure, I, I'm sure
0: Tom never knew. I'm sure he never.
2: And I'm gonna text Grohl when we're
0: done and say, "Here I got his number." And <laughs> say, "You fucked up, dude. Like you could have had." No, a here's, here's had, the number, You could have had one of those night songs jams. Like,
2: yeah. Well, I texted Dave the other day just to congratulate him on the new record being number hmm. one everywhere. I'm gonna text him when we're done and go, "It would have been even bigger if you used." Yeah, Kiefer. if you had a Kiefer song. the guys' name.
1: Okay. Sure, Foo Fighter, sure, Nirvana, but where's your Nobody's Fool? Yeah, and where's I'm your, <laughs> sure, where's your Nobody's Fool?
0: All right, well, thank you very much, Dan Weiss. Eddie Trunk, it's been a pleasure discussing the Mount Rushmore. This is exactly what it feels like when they're kicking us out of the rainbow yeah. after we've been talking about <laughs> the you know, the yeah. hair metal Mount Rushmores. Uh, so appreciate you all hanging there and listening. And this has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Thanks so much, guys, for showing up. Until next time, take it easy, but take it. Let foes of justice tremble. This has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Hear this episode again or listen to past shows right now on the SiriusXM app. Search Maximum Firepower.